0: Welcome to the learning reinvented podcast brought to you by myself katie godden
1: and james politillo from the learning effect there are lots of learning podcasts out there so we want to do something slightly different this week it's the start of 2022 so we wanted to look at the challenges that are facing business in the coming year and what you as learning professionals can do to face these challenges so katie if we look back to 2021 you know when we started the year we were hoping that this was the last year of covid it's probably not the last year of COVID as we can see, you know, new cases wildly springing up across Europe, the UK and, and across the whole of the world. And I know you've been impacted as well over the Christmas period.
0: Yes, unfortunately uh, my boyfriend and I tested positive for, for COVID on the 23rd of December. So that kind of stopped our Christmas and New Year plans. Um, so it was very quiet indeed. So lots of Netflix and films that were being watched, but. But obviously, it's just one of those things and we couldn't do anything about it. Um, And I'm sure there's lots of other people that were in a a similar situation as me. Um, And yeah, like you said, I think going into 2022, it's definitely going to not be the end of COVID, unfortunately. But hopefully it will start to go to some sort of normality. I know we were saying that back in 2020, um, but fingers crossed 2022 is the year where that kind of changes things a bit.
1: I think we've had a couple of years of living with Covid now and you know getting used to it and there's been some sort of changes that have driven short-term changes in the way we work in the way we learn but also there's been some sort of long-term mindset shifts as well that I think have been facilitated or speeded up by by Covid coming along so despite us not really wanting to talk about COVID, I think a lot of the things facing business this year are COVID driven or COVID inspired. I don't know if that's the right phrase, but you know they have been the focus of a changing workforce, changing work conditions, changing economy that we faced over the last couple of years. So in your opinion, what stands out to you as the challenges that businesses and our clients are facing in the coming year?
0: Um, well, I saw on the BBC News the other day that that workplaces should plan for 25 um, percent less people uh, due to kind of being off for Covid, having to isolate, etc. Um, so that's going to have a big impact on, on every business because people are going to have to to make lots of changes, upskill people to kind of cover those roles um, as well as that. Uh, is being kind of in the plan B phase where we're asking people to work from home where they can as well. Um, so again obviously we we kind of changed that last year and we, we were starting to go back into the office um, but that's now changed to, to work from home again. Um, so we need to accommodate that and make sure people can comfortably work from home still uh, and have access to the right information, communications etc um, that they did do before. Um, what What do you think as well?
1: I think on top of that, people have been talking about the big resignation or whatever people are abandoning that. But, you know, people have had time to retrain, refocus, reflect on on how they live their lives, how they want to work. So it's seeing an instability in the labour market worldwide. But, you know, the, the UK is specifically hit by other factors such as the ongoing fallout of Brexit. The whole world economy is going to be impacted and see changes in markets and sectors and and also if if some of those other things you've talked about working patterns change that has a knock on impact as well so i think there is going to be that potential fallout of of the the big resignation and we should be focusing on that and and then looking at what that means for individual businesses or industries and, and again contextualizing that as to what that means for you so if we take those as sort of three big buckets for us to work through over the next few minutes so let's let's look at that Businesses has been asked to look at having potentially 25% less workforce so again that came from the government trying to prepare for public services in the UK you know having up to a quarter of their staff off at any time and you know it's quite interesting to see that there's almost been a mindset shift again around attendance at, at work when you're ill because if I think back three or four years you know when I was working in-house in organizations the culture in lots of organizations were unless you were on your deathbed you came into work you know you literally came in suck it up deal with it come in come to work potentially spread colds and viruses to other people and and that's just what we did and it seems that you know through Having a very focused view of an infectious disease, that's possibly going to change the way people approach just being around other people when they are ill or they, they do think that they might have some sort of illness or infection.
0: Yeah I think that's a really positive change to actually make because like you said you felt kind of obliged to go in even if you had a horrible stinking cold Um, and then you're probably going into offices that have got air cotton and then you're spreading it everywhere and you're actually making everyone else ill but obviously with Covid it's kind of highlighted the fact that it, it can be spread and it is extremely infectious and it people can have it in different variants as well like I got it and tested positive, but I didn't feel anything. But then I know other people that have got it and they've had a more mild version of it. They've been really tired. They've had headaches, aches, et cetera. And then obviously you get people that get it more severely. So um, you don't know the impact. So I think that's positive. And I think it's a positive attitude to have in a workplace but but obviously if you're missing kind of a quarter potentially or up to a quarter of your workforce you've got to do things to enable your business to keep running because you don't want to start losing out on profit etc and and you need to think about that as a challenge in itself so how can you have um transferable skills how can you teach people um, the the skills so they can cover other people's roles if they are off sick um, and I think that's what people really need to be focusing on is being able to deliver that effectively as opposed to just having huge t- huge chunks of their business out of work and not being able to be as productive um, as when they're there.
1: Yeah and I think we're mo- moving from you know over the last couple of years we've found out more and more about Covid more and more about uh how we respond to it we you know there's obviously protections being in place with people getting vaccinations etc cetera, etc cetera. but i think that learning to live is is really important message that i don't think and this is again a personal view but i don't think we're going to be rushing to as many sort of national lockdowns or global or regional lockdowns as we have been in the past obviously unless you know a new variant comes that's particularly Uh, problematic for or or causes you know a mass amount of hospitalizations but I think what you will see is the continued measures that we've got in place that if people get an infectious disease workplaces will be requiring people to stay away and them you know there may be legislation or just regulation or insurance or whatever else that requires people to operate in that way so learning to live with COVID will be learning to live with infectious disease becoming something that requires people not to be in the workforce which sort of has two repercussions one of as you said we need to be as a business thinking about we might have spot outbreaks of stuff and how do we cope with that so you know if if a particular department or team goes down how do we have contingency uh, measures in place but also across other teams how do we make sure that our skill base or one person is not responsible for business critical delivery and that we have that spread of skills or we have contingency plans or just-in-time learning in place so that we can redeploy people as as needed to support the ongoing delivery of business so i think that's gonna one of the implications and the other is being able to Potentially work from elsewhere as well, maybe not on a permanent basis, but as required. So, for example, you had COVID over Christmas, and you know, timing-wise, didn't it was a time where you were due to be off work anyway. But if that had been at a time when you were working, because you had mild symptoms, you could have actually continued, probably yeah. quite happily, to be working rather than just sat watching Netflix because you're contained in your house. So, but is allowing people to be in that position that if that's the case and they are actually fit to work just not fit to socialize or be outside their home environment maybe ensuring that people can work from home and again we can we'll get on to talking about whether working from home permanently or Mm. or blended working is a solution but i think in response to that 25 percent out of the workforce being out or even more in in cases Businesses really need to think through their plans for for how they approach that.
0: Yeah, I think it's about being flexible and sensible with it, because obviously if you're kind of working in um, kind of warehouse construction, those things that you, you have to do your job on site, basically, um, that's going to impact those types of industries like a lot more than kind of an office job. Where, like you said, if you've got mould to no symptoms similar to what I had, you'd happily work from home um because you weren't infected you weren't impacted heavily by it it's just you you have to self-isolate and and that's another thing as well with the self-isolation it is a legal requirement that you do stay at home so that's another thing that's impacting these businesses It's if you do test positive you legally have to stay at home and self-isolate because you can be fined up to a thousand pounds so um I think it's just working with what's legal and what's law and then being sensible and finding those sensible flexible um ways around that in order to keep kind of businesses running because people aren't going to want to just sit at home and self-isolate if they're not feeling anything you know what i mean That unless they're really poorly and and just need to rest but people aren't going to want to do that if they're not. And they understand that they have to self-isolate and they understand that they, they can carry on working. But I think it's just about being sensible with that. And and um, I think Covid in itself has made us uh, more flexible to those types of things anyway. Like you said, working from home, that's become more of a norm now than it ever had been before Covid, which I think personally is a positive thing
1: yeah absolutely and i think you know the implications for business are completely down to the type of work that you're doing so like you said if you're in a manufacturing or a construction environment you need to be on site to carry out that work the same in a service or retail or a care environment or whatever else it happens to be and some of those businesses, you need a continuity of service or you drop off in service. So for certain things, you might turn around and go, okay, a retail site, if everyone goes down or 50% goes down, you might reduce the delivery hours or you might do this, or you might need to bring in you know, temporary members of staff, casual members of staff. You might need to redeploy people from a different branch. You then come across to something where you actually can't have an option of dropping hours or closing a site so if you're delivering something like care or an essential service you have to work out how are you going to redeploy how are you going to reskill people so i think that context helps set the challenge that your you as a learning team should be facing and understanding what your operational plans are and those mm-hmm. contingencies and putting your creativity into thinking how can we help with this business challenge how can i not be going and selling a learning course to these teams, but how can I be going along and and thinking about how do we support that business continuity, the service continuity, or whatever else it happens to be. So I think there's a real opportunity for learning teams to to ensure that they're positioned correctly and helping the business as best needed.
0: Yeah, I think it's about empowering your people as well to give them the confidence for them to be able to have that flexibility and have that confidence to be able to, like you said, maybe go into a different store to work there if they're in retail or or care or whatever. But I think if you don't have that and you, you kind of let people fend for themselves a little bit um, and you're not providing them with that kind of daily update on kind of what what new rules are in place, what rules impact their business, et cetera. Um, I think that's where you're um, potentially going to lose people. And that's where you come to like the, like the last point that we're going to talk about is that kind of great resignation. Um, because people haven't got that confidence, they haven't got that happiness, they're not got that positivity to actually want to actually, and that empowerment to actually stay in, in the business that they're working in because obviously they're feeling a bit neglected.
1: Yeah, and I think I think making sure that you can support your workforce flexibly, you've got the right element of support, you're not throwing people in at the deep end, that you're you know, providing sensible support. So again, in a multi-site business, are your rules consistent enough and your processes consistent enough that people can move from branch to branch and do people locally understand the nuances of their branch? So if I rock up in branch number two, I normally work in branch number one, they can say to me, These are the 10 things you need to know about this branch without taking me through the 20 things that everyone working for our organization already knows because they're common and consistent. So there's some really sensible things that you should be looking at in terms of of how your business operates. I think if we then spin on to, you know, the working from home option, I think as well as sort of emergency working from home, there's been a, a culture of mind shift about working from home, is something that becomes more normalized and it always has been in certain roles, but there seems to be a work from home, obviously edict at certain times where possible, but that where possible, I think as has forced more creativity than would have been before COVID, but it's looking going forward as to what does that really mean for your business? So as with lots of discussions, it seems to be quite divisive. So you have some people who are, yes, we can do everything working from home and other people is everything has to be in the office. And, you know, it's where's the right contextual middle ground for you. So, you know, what works for your business, what works for those individuals and and what works for the people you're trying to attract and and bring in. And I see a a lot of stuff around recruiters talking about the fact that, you know, they've got some businesses that are pushing and saying everything must be in the office that's the only rule etc and they're struggling to get candidates through and i think if people see that maybe you've got inflexible policies and an edict that doesn't make a lot of logical sense i think people are more likely to push back and and pick and choose whether you're following those rules so i think getting that balance right around working from home is critical You know, to impact on that last point you're you're going to come to around the the big resignation and and making sure that you can keep, attract and retain employees.
0: Yeah, because I think working from home, irrelevant to COVID anyway, I think it's an important part. Um, of your working life. And I think COVID has been the catalyst of that and people can see that it's got both positives and negatives to working from home consistently anyway. Um, But I think if you provide that level of flexibility for your employees, so um, if they need to work from home on several days or it suits them because they've got childcare issues or they've got other commitments, etc. Or it allows them to have different flexible working hours as well. Um, i think they're really positive things and i think if workforces don't have those like you said if they become then le- less attractive businesses for people to potentially want to go and work at um but then it also has that has the negatives that when you're always working from home um you're kind of forcing people into that routine as well and you're not you're kind of taking away those social elements of working anyway because you're kind of forcing people to have to make that um, kind of more social calls so I think when you work from home you book in a lot of meetings because they're meetings relevant to your work and you miss out on those things that you get in a workplace where you can just have a good conversation when you walk into the office say hello how was your journey in how was your commute what did you watch on tv last night you you lose all of those kind of little mundane bits of conversation that you have throughout the day but that kind of keep you sane and then when you're at home all the time you're just kind of booking in meetings literally just to talk about whatever the meeting's about so i think that's a potential negative to it and but if you've got that flexibility where you can kind of do both um i think that's a really positive outlook to have on it from a learning point of view i think you have to have the infrastructure in place to be able to support that as well so you're not just pushing like face-to-face learning for example that you've got that flexibility where you might have things on zoom calls so you might have content that's online so people can access it anytime anywhere that suits them and at the hours that suit them as well like i said there um previously that if you're working at different hours because that suits your day more You've still got access to that training because it's not restricted to nine to five because that's when their trainers training. You know, I think a learning team's got a big responsibility to help push that um, out to the workforce and make it work really well.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting that you look at the challenges facing people working from home, and and each each person's experience is very different, and I think it creates some real challenges and opportunities for HR teams and and learning teams because if you think go back into some of my roles when i was in in corporate roles i would spend most of my day in meetings and effectively i could flip those roles now and i would spend most of my day in zoom meetings and it would feel pretty similar and at the end of the day i'd be left with a chunk of work and actions that you just have to fit in around the edges but you might have saved time on a commute and stuff so maybe you can do those things but again maybe you don't have that time on a commute to do some of the learning, go on LinkedIn, listen to podcasts. So you, there's different things that have changed for that type of role. But I then think about other roles, which are maybe more individual contributors and thinking, well, now I could go into a role and be onboarded by receiving a laptop through the post and whatever that happens to be. I could spend most of my day just carrying out tasks and maybe I wouldn't have that level of interaction with people. and what engagement might I have with that employer beyond the working policies, beyond people thinking about how to keep me engaged between the next person who, if I resign and offers me 5p an hour more, or you know, a couple of thousand pounds a year more to go to a different role, to come in and say, well, they just send me a different laptop and I do a different set of tasks. So I think it creates a real set of challenges for people to understand the context of the role and the benefits that it provides to people and what individual motivators are and how do we connect with and engage with people in not just a transmit way and again you know we work a lot with people on learning platforms com strategies all of those things but if we just think we're going to broadcast have a nice induction where the chief exec talks to you etc you to go through a learning plan etc i think it's got to be so much more than that so i think it really pushes us to think about what does that learning and engagement what need to be how are we supporting the rest of the business and and the hr team to build that employer employee and the employer experience so that we understand what that relationship is how do we monitor people how do we provide opportunities how do we open up talent pools how do we understand what's going on how do we understand and and help support good leadership within that new way of working so I think there's huge amounts of challenges and opportunities for learning to to reinvent how it approaches its its delivery but also reinvents its position in the organization because just pushing out content pushing out programs or pushing out courses are those really going to impact when the way of working might be so much more flexible and different and like you said someone might be have a flexible working policy that allows them to to do more work at home and you know go and do school pick up and and you know log back on when the the kids go to bed because that's become normalized and that's accepted and those are my hours rather than just having to work around the system but if my learning system doesn't meet me in that way and i don't have the support at 10 o'clock at night or access to the learning i need to complete or do a new task then we're not being flexible and adaptable so i think there's huge amounts of change and challenge available
0: yeah definitely and kind of going back onto your point as well about moving so where you've got like the the less workforce you might have to kind of pick up in a different site, etc if you've got a flexible and kind of bite-sized approach to learning, you're able to achieve that a lot easier rather than having Huge lengthy programs where you're kind of maybe delivering uh, big workbooks out to people that they've got to read through, or that's now online, but they're just clicking through a big workbook, and that's their store induction, or that's their site induction. Whereas if you kind of take a different approach and, and you kind of chunk that down into a, a bite-sized approach, you're then able to become way more flexible, and you can take those relevant bits, and you can make sure that people have got access to the right information when they need it. So site one you've got to now go and work in site two right you've done everything that you need to do in site one but site two does x y and z that's a bit more than what you've done in site one but here's the access to it you know that can be instant and that's how you can do that but I think a lot of learning teams are, haven't got that approach and it, it's still very program and um, based it is quite lengthy and you haven't got that bite-sized mindset so those things are a lot more harder to achieve but um, can be achieved it, quite simply by just breaking stuff down.
1: Absolutely, and I think if you know we boil this down to treating the workforce well and being able to work flexibly, adapt, have have an appropriate approach to to working, and also an appropriate approach to learning, can therefore make you a more attractive employer. Can help you retain people, stop the you know the big resignation, or make you. A beneficiary of the big resignation elsewhere because people are coming to choose to work for you because you've got those things right and i think there's lots of things that learning teams can do for that and you know we've talked about making people comfortable in their role you know you've just talked about bite-sized learning and how that can help people to feel empowered because there's nothing worse than that sat there you know we've all probably all been there in jobs where we sat there going i've not a clue what i need to do or how i sort this out and that's when you would turn around to someone and say, you know, can you help me on this? Or, you know, can you talk me through this, etc. But again, take the situation now, never met those people. I, I can't ask that. So having the system or even the culture or the network or whatever it happens to be to, to help people feel comfortable in their role. You're then looking at other things of how do you make people feel valuable? Because I think one of the lessons is that employees have become less subservient to organizations so they've realized they have power and they they are discerning customers of employment one of the things that i think will come is people will become far more discerning customers of learning because a lot of learning out there is quite vanilla not very value adding quite generic doesn't really help me so i think as more and more people start to think actually this isn't good enough or this isn't what i need or maybe I can go and get something better elsewhere and realising what that better is. Because I think we've been in quite a lucky place in some learning teams that there hasn't been a lot of great out there, or you know, there isn't a high expectation from customers. I think as that changes, learning teams need to start to think about how they market and position themselves. And it could be something as, as clear as having career pathways mapped to people about thinking about how they show that to current and future employees how they connect and deliver what people need or focus on the skills that are going to help people's careers so i think there's lots of scope for for learning teams to help improve the overall employability and experience within their workforces
0: yeah exactly they've got a lot more flexibility and they've got a lot more to do it then i think that the traditional learning team was seen to do, because I think and and that's a culture shift, that's a mindset change as well, um, because traditionally people saw learning and the learning teams as people that kind of delivered learning because Someone was told to, they were asked that they wanted to do a course or they wanted to become a project manager, find me some project management content and you were just kind of providing that service, whether it was providing in-house training or providing or going and sourcing a supplier that would then deliver that training. But with everything that's happened in the past couple of years, we've seen things impact training so much than way before that we've had to change as a learning team because you've had things like rules change overnight, literally overnight. Um, you've had regulations put in place. You know, you needed to be able to empower your employees. You needed to be able to, look for them to communicate with each other. You needed to have that space to be able to provide all that information. And that's where we saw those teams that were in the kind of more traditional um, focused way. They they struggled a little bit to be able to to do that and implement that at pace, because they didn't have the infrastructure behind that to support it but i think This is highlighted why it's so important to have that kind of blend of learning. So you can support still face to face, but you can support online. You can support bite size. You can support different formats. You can have that social element. You know, all of those bits are really important to creating that really great learning culture.
1: Yeah, and I think there's some interesting developments that have taken place over the last few years. One of the tech enabled ones I think about, and we've been supporting clients on the last sort of six months on is is around sort of validation and verification of learning and i was i've always been quite dismissive of that because i think sometimes people just want a certificate for attendance i want to show i've done this i want to be able to show i've done that and learning to me is always about the application and being able to do that but i think where people are now being quite creative with things like verified digital badges and and thinking about how how do we use those in ways to both show that the organisation is investing in people and to promote what we do, promote our brand or as a membership or training organisation, help promote our brand and what we deliver, but also for individuals so that they can actually go out there and go, this isn't just me saying I'm great at this. This is me saying I've, I've, you know, I've, I've done some learning formally. I'm doing informal learning. I've actually put this into practice, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there's some really creative ways we've been working with clients to look at how you can use some of those very traditional things, but reinvent them for the current situation we're facing. So I'm quite excited about those journeys we're going on with clients to which have helped reshape their mindset, but also help deliver additional value back, both back to the organization and to the learner, because they don't feel like well, just done this internal training course. So actually, you can shout about that. You can go through what's covered and people will always be scared of, oh, if I, I, I do that and I allow people to promote what they've done here. Well, great. If you're continuing to give them development and support and someone else isn't, you will retain them over time some people always jump if there's site like more money there but they'll come back or that or you know they'll they'll learn to stay if the culture's right if the development's right if the support's right and if the career opportunities are there that's what people are looking for
0: yeah definitely and i think things have improved so much from uh previously having kind of a pdf certificate that you might stick on your wall i think with things like badging etc actually it's verified it's really useful to have that um and it's a different way of kind of promoting yourself it's kind of not that traditional kind of linkedin like oh i can put on on my linkedin profile what i've done what jobs i've worked in and that's not particularly verified i could kind of put whatever i want on that whereas these other new verified badges um, is verifying what I have actually done and people can go on and check that and and like you said people are moving uh, jobs a lot more quicker than what they did previously so having that and having that in a space that enables you to do that easily would be even better as well.
1: Yeah absolutely and I th- you know I think one of those things that excites me about our business is being able to support people through understanding and making those transitions. You talked about sort of bite-sized collaborative learning and the place for that. And there's so much out there, but it's really understanding your business case. And that's where we we help those people through that journey. So one of the things we have started to see is that, again, with the emergence of a new variant of COVID and more cases some of those face-to-face events and conferences that were planned and started to happen in the back end of 2021 the ones at the start of 2022 are being pushed back or cancelled so i think for those people who were hoping to get out and network and socialize and start to meet vendors and all of those things to to try and think how they focus on these challenges going forward you know my message to them would be there's loads of people out there who can help you help you in the meantime you don't need to wait for those conferences the world to move there's different ways of engaging with people there's people like us and and various other people out there who can help you navigate those challenges whether it's learning whether it's workforce planning uh, whether it's employee experience so you know we'd love to help people but if if people want to get in touch we again got a great network of people who might be able to to help you facing the challenge that you're facing even if it's not learning
0: yeah, definitely. I think it's all about having that conversation and then kind of discovering um, where we can potentially help people, but where the potential issues are. Because I think having that initial call, we've we've always found talking to our clients is that we kind of um uncover more um not necessarily issues, but more opportunities to kind of make changes within workplaces. Um, But without having that conversation it's kind of people focus on the one point where they think there's a potential issue. But actually, there's lots of other places that we can actually apply that help to. And providing solutions will actually help a lot of other things as well that's happening in the business that is not completely siloed to learning. For example, it's about user experience. It's about communications as well. So, yeah, I think it's having those great conversations early on
1: absolutely and i'm hoping that 2022 becomes a year of continued conversation and innovation and you know we'd love to speak to people or hear from people about the challenges they're facing if you're wanting to join us on the podcast please get in touch if there's an area you want us to focus on or look into or or share on a future episode again let us know Uh, and if you just want to speak to us individually or as a team then again All of those details will be in the show notes below. But Katie, it's been great to catch up and I'm looking forward to 2022.
0: Yes. Happy New Year and uh, looking forward to it as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Learning Reinvented podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you've not already done so, please follow our podcast. And if The Learning Effect can help you and your organisation, please do get in touch. You can find both James and Katie on LinkedIn and our contact details are in the show notes below.